Welcome to Burn After Pitching, the comedy pitching podcast where we have a group of creators on to pitch their ideas on anything from new ice cream flavors to a big Hollywood blockbuster. I am your host for this episode. My name is Michael Tanner. Uh, you can visit me on my website, buymichaeltanner.com. Uh, joining us, uh, as always, Andy, please tell our listeners all about yourself. Hello, my name is Andy. I am a frequent contributor. Uh, occasional host of this podcast. Uh, I write books and comic books. I should have some stuff out soon, but if you can't wait, just go to my Instagram, Internet Roommate. I just finished a novel for Mermaid with uh, artist Paige Barr. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah. One Instagram hashtag I follow is mermaid because I'm a weirdo who likes mermaids. But not in a weird, yeah. weird, weird way. Just in a weird way, a normal weird way of liking mermaids, but not like a weird way. Uh, anyway. I've experienced the gamut of types of people who appreciate mermaids. And, you know, most of them are just, you know, yeah, it's a cool thing. You know? Most of them are perfectly normal men who like half women half fish and the other ones are yes. somehow weirder than that and joining us on this episode we have some international guests who i don't think technically are our first international guests but maybe you guys are uh, uh i'm gonna let them introduce themselves <laughs> and their show joining us from the land down under i'm sure they never get tired of hearing that please <laughs> introduce yourself no i just talk a lot on our podcast so i thought i'd let jamie go first this time oh, oh that's so sweet that's fine. Well, my my name is Jamie, and I run a podcast with my co-host Ryan. Stories, the true and the fictional, where we basically nerdy crap, and sometimes get on to talk about their books, their comic books, their films. We um just sit down with people and have a lot of fun talking to them about their life and their work. But um. I'm also a bit of an author. I'm very new to it, but my first book got picked up um, by a publisher a couple of months ago, and that's in the works of the second printing. It's called Letters from the War. It's about uh, where the Australian Army declared war on a thousand flightless birds and lost. So I figured it was about time to have a book from the perspective of the people who, or the birds who won. It's a very funny book about... Um, of war, but written in journal entries and letters and stuff like that. Um, very funny. Yes. Ah. So, stories are true in the fiction. You can check us out on Spotify, um, Apple, YouTube, everywhere. Everywhere good podcasts nice. are sold. It's so rare that the animals win, so I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, it's It's very funny. <laughs> It sounds like a laugh riot. Yeah. Someone tells me if the humans won, it wouldn't have been so funny. <laughs> no, it took about, like, I didn't hear about it till about five years ago, so we are not taught about it. It's like we try to sweep it under the rug. Um, <laughs> so now, okay. now, I'm, now I'm just bringing it to the world, and I'm like, oh, and have a laugh about this. And uh, apparently Cleese and Rob Schneider are doing a movie on the same topic, so um, we're not making Rob Schneider? Oh, wow. Rob Schneider. Or I, acting or I, or I, I am so jealous because out of all of the things that America has swept under the rug, if one of them was like trying to kill flightless birds and not succeeding, that would be like the best dirty secret we've ever had. You know, it's like, oh, it's not yeah. so bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> it gets much worse. Yeah. 
I know all about it. It, it. it is ridiculously funny. I mean, they just couldn't. They they had machine guns and they just started firing at them, and they were going, "Come at me!" I assume us, not the birds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which which birds are we talking? Are we talking ostriches or uh, emus? Emus. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. You know, I've eaten emu. It was good. And I wish we had won that war. <laughs> I mean, well, I try to cassowaries. I totally would believe would kick our ass because those are some mean ass birds but even the even the emu yeah yeah that's true they are vicious they still got those dinosaur genes i think is what it is and and also joining us (laughs) yes my name is ryan i'm uh jamie's co-host on the stories of true and the fictional podcast uh, I'm not quite as talented as all of you lovely people, so I don't have any books or anything under my belt, nothing to plug, but I'm a massive nerd. I love comic book. I love wrestling. I love books. I love everything, which is why I got into the podcasting world with Jamie. Excellent. We are so nice. happy to have the both of you on. Um, Thank you. And so as as you guys know... Sometimes we start with a surprise pitch, and we are doing a surprise pitch on this episode, gentlemen. And I have uh, some uh, good news for you. Um, As we know, opening soon in theaters everywhere is Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie. It's been a long time since we've had a good Elvis movie. But that has opened a door in Hollywood (laughs) where they are hungry for more auteur-directed celebrity biopics. Or, you know, some people say biopic, and that's weird to me. They're biopics. Uh, My kid says biopic. That's I, weird. I didn't correct know I should correct her. I have been. I have Spare been. the rod, spoil the child, I say, Andy. Is that a Gen Z thing? It, it, no, because I, I, I feel this. I, no insult to your child, because they learned it from, from media. I feel like it's a, <laughs> dumb, it's a dumb thing that has just started creeping up. Because I hear it on, like... TV shows where they they'll they'll refer to it as a biopic, and I'm like, no, it's a biopic. Yeah, what? Like, why? It's, it's always been a biopic. No one has said biopic unless as a joke to make fun of how silly bi- biopic would sound. Uh, but anyway, yes. he needs don't be your, myopic. Don't be myopic about biopic. the biopic. Oh God, now I'm doing it. Uh, we need your pitches <laughs> for an auteur director. Uh, to direct a new celebrity biopic. So please think of an auteur director and then choose the celebrity that they should make the movie of their life. I will give you all a few moments to decide. And then I want to hear about what you picture. Just talk about the movie in your head a little bit. So please take a moment here and uh, come up with your answer. You know, when everyone's ready, we will proceed. And then I'll edit this uh, dead space chunk out. So it looks like you're all very clever <laughs> and came up with the ideas immediately. Yes. What dead junk? <laughs> hmm, that's a good one. All right. I'm good. Okay. I know who I want. I'm trying to think if who would be the best director for it. Cause it's like Tim Burton. Yeah. Uh, Maybe same. Oh, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, nah, you know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. Okay. Two out of three. I'm just thinking of a director. Um. It's going to be funny when uh, all of you say the same director. 
I, I guarantee you Jamie and I will not have the same director. So Jamie hate, hates mine, so that's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe it's his, like, I hate this musician, and so I'm going to give it to this director. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jamie, are you ready? Do you guys hear the crows in the background? <laughs> on my end? Oh, no, I have some cool. birds, but no, I don't I was like crows just like went by uh, yelling about something. You know how crows are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Andy, why don't you go ahead and go first? Oh, thank you. Yes, I would love to. Because I think my favorite sort of couple slash love story in the entire history of rock and roll is the wonderful meeting of souls that was Lux Interior and Poison Ivy. And I've always wanted to see their love story as they, they rose up through the ranks and became just one of the best rock and roll bands live that has ever existed. It's, I mean, part of me is like, if they didn't have a happy marriage, I don't want to know about it because there's part of me that just needs to believe that it was just the perfect union because like her guitars and his whole stage presence and the love of like 50s flock horror was just so perfect that it deserves to be on the screen. And then I was thinking, who should direct it? Well, weirdly, the Cramps have this kind of circuitous connection to Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson's dad, Ernie Anderson, was known in the Midwest as Goulardi. He was one of those late night, you know, Saturday night, they'd show the, the, the crappy... Uh, what? Really? Cheap. Yes. Oh, my Paul God. Thomas Anderson's no dad is Goulardi. Goulardi was a major inspiration to the cramps, they named one of their albums Stay Sick, which was Golardi's like, uh, what do you call it, his slogan. So, I mean, we already know that they have this thing in common. And he's a great director. So I say Paul Thomas Anderson directing a biopic of one of the great love stories of rock and roll, as far as I can, I'm concerned, Lux Interior and Poison Ivy of the Cramps. That's pretty good. I like it. And yeah. I learned something new. Yeah. They, they are... Oh, I'm, I'm sad that he's dead. He, they were like one of the greatest bands I've ever seen live. Just amazing. All right. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see. Ryan, are you ready to go? Yeah, sure. I kind of went down the comedy route uh, of pitches. And I just thought I picked one of my favorite artists growing up. And um, this will get probably get a good laugh. I want to see, I want to see the story of NSYNC on the big screen. I want to see the drama, the, the trials, the tribulations of being in a boy band. In the whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, are we calling it out of sync? <laughs> we are now. We are now. <laughs> we are now. I just want to, I, I just want to see, I, I want to see it. I want to see it as camp as possible. But the director that I had in mind is one of Jamie's favorites. And I want, I want to see this when, when the band has their fights and their split ups. I want explosions. I want, I want, yeah. I want the biggest. I, I want to see the blow ups, and I want Michael Bay to direct this bad boy. <laughs> okay. okay. I want to see the chaos when they walk off stage, and someone wants, and Justin Timberlake's had enough, and then he just walks out and he says, "I'm done with this. I'm going out on my own." Walks out the door of the of the the stadium show, and there's just nothing but explosions. <laughs> they love so like that's... Lance. That's like, who cares? We don't need him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then they all fail miserably. 
That's that's pretty good. I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. Uh, especially because Michael Bay is insane. Is an insane director, uh, and he yeah. he runs his sets like he's a general, and it's like the military, which I think is a very. I mean, he took the Transformers movies like too seriously. Um, yeah. And so I feel like him doing a boy band movie on NSYNC would be great because yes. he'd make it so overly serious and with tons exactly. of explosions. Uh, I like yep. it. Exactly. He treated like it was Platoon, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trademark out of sync right now because that's a, that's a winning name. <laughs> cool. The only thing is we're going to have to figure out how to spell it, like where to put the apostrophes or whatever. I got to say, finding out that Michael Bay acts like a general on his movie set, that is the least surprising fact I've ever learned about Michael Bay. Okay, so I feel like this might be a rule about podcasts or never um, never talk about a, a better and more successful podcast on your own podcast. But there was a great podcast that uh, is defunct. They, they no longer make episodes, but it's a show called um, I Was There Too. Uh, and yep. it's a it's a celebrity interview show, or but like like small C celebrities because the whole idea is they interview people who were who worked on big movies uh, to talk about their experiences. And Andy Daly, um, who you might know from um, <laughs> yeah um, everything, he was in everything for a while. But you know, like Andy Daly, let's Google him. I can't think of anything he's in. He was Ben Franklin in The Office. Ben and Franklin from what the was Office. that show he had? I know that's review. what that review was that was his. Oh, yeah. So he and was he, in a Transformers movie, and he was he's on. I was there too uh, to talk <laughs> about the Transformers movie, and he talks about Michael Bay, and it's insane. Like he before shooting a scene, he'd make all the actors and extras like kind of stand in formation so he could inspect them. Like he was a general oh, wow. inspecting the troops. <laughs> um, and he, and, oh. and he did like, yeah, it's real weird. He's a real weird guy. And um, so I highly recommend after you're done listening to this show, <laughs> audience, uh, go check out I Was There Too. The Andy Daly episode is excellent. Um, all right. That brings us to our final. Jamie, are you ready? I'm ready to go. It's not going to be as amazing as Ryan's. Um, it feels a bit mundane now, but um, I'll... One artist that I've seen the most, and it's about seven times, um, it's Ben Folds. Okay. Folds 5. Um, huge fan ever since I heard about him going out um, and waving to a crowd, not realizing how short the um, stage was, and he fell straight to pick and uh, oh, wow. wiped the blood off his head in a two-and-a-half-hour show. Um, and I, because this particular is huge in the like he's I think four biopics already. I'm going to get Andrew Garfield to play him. Ooh. One of my favorite um, movies from the '90s is That Thing You Do. Oh, so, lovely film! So I'm going <laughs> Tom to Tom Hanks connection too. So, well, he that was his first director um, movie he directed. So I want to get Tom yeah. Hanks to uh, direct this biopic, and it's going to have that That Thing You Do funny uh, feel to it. Okay, yeah, I could get on board with that. I feel like because yeah. you can really capture like a certain the way you know that thing you do captured you know the music business in the '60s. You could really do something interesting the same with the '90s. Like I remember getting turned on to Ben Folds, like and literally like we were passing around like someone um, heard a song somewhere, bought the album or bought the cassette, I think, and so we would like. Oh, wow. 
trade the cassette around like my group of friends oh. a kind of like magical before digital music where people are you know taking a cd and copying it to a cassette tape passing around making mixtapes like actually making mixtapes i'm not playlists like you could do something really interesting with enfold like in uh in contrast to like the popular mainstream which was like grunge at that time like a dude yeah. on piano singing like soulful like alt rock billy joel ballads uh you could do something really neat with that i really like that that's a very unexpected um uh, you know well, one of musical my favorite, yeah. celebrity biopic one of my favorite biopic. facts about ben Foles is when he um he knew his album was going to get pirated so he recorded his own album but just as badly as possible same track titles and he leaked it himself now it's the most now the songs from that album are the most requested at his concerts <laughs> <laughs> clever clever boy um yeah. okay i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw out my pitch uh because i'm gonna go with um oh my god why am i absolutely blanking on his name right now okay all right i got it came back to me all right i am choosing david lynch and you yep. want David Lynch to direct the biopic of that's the best word. I want to do more of a tone piece by David Lynch about the disco scene. So I want it to be maybe a biopic of someone like I don't know, like um like Gloria Gaynor or um uh, <laughs> I mean the, just like, I love the village. A village, village people, people that could be good too. Um, yeah, it's just like David Lynch doing the seventies disco era because he he doesn't um, do glitz and he doesn't do like bright. Uh, so like yeah. his weird kind of neo noir uh, eye is turned on a glitzy, sparkly, drug infused yeah. like party yeah. um, genre of music. Uh, I think would be very interesting. Uh, so the David Lynch disco era movie—that's what I'm pitching. I, 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 I'd pay money to see that. I think that'd be David Lynch is fantastic, and to see to see that dark, gritty version of the '70s, I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, sweet. All right, so Hollywood, it's, I, the door is open. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann yeah. can't direct all of them. So let, no. l- listen to our ideas and contact us after the show, and uh, we'll get to work on those uh, biopics for you. All right. <laughs> so that takes us to our main pitch for this episode. We wanted to take full, we wanted to take full advantage of our guests uh, being from an entirely different continent and have an entirely different kind of movie scene down there. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so we have tasked them with pitching what they see as an American movie, like an American movie. And Andy is going to (laughs) pitch what he sees as an Australian movie. And I didn't really come up with a full pitch, but I've got some ideas that I can spitball out there at the end. So, um, okay. So Jamie, Ryan, did you each come up with a pitch or did you tag team one? No, we came up with one each. Excellent. So that, okay, so we'll do uh, uh, America, Australia, America. Okay, so uh, is is one pitch true and one fictional? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> no, 
For a second, I thought you were referencing Labyrinth. Is, is one of your pitches true and one of your pitches false? <laughs> Labyrinth, that's Australian, right? Because I know we don't have those creatures in America, so. You know, like much like Labyrinth, every creature in Australia is trying to kill you. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> Jamie, Ryan, who would like to go first? Oh. You want me to take it, Jamie? Yeah. And you want to go? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. My movie is called, it's a movie, I've, I've titled it Runtime. Okay. Ooh. So, Run. It's set in California, uh, uh, Rancho Cucamonga in California. Okay. And what the story is, there's, it's about a young, a young, um, sort of, I would say maybe 18, 19, 20 year old male who I have determined will be played by Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Um, who plays Steve Harrington in, in Stranger Things. He he works in the last blockbuster video store in the world. So there's no more blockbuster. Obviously, streaming's taking over. He works in in the last blockbuster, which is in a beat-up neighborhood. Lots of crime, lots of, you know, mishaps and everything. And, and he's the last employee, uh, even his boss has given up, of this blockbuster and they get one or two customers a week maximum. They're all, they're regulars. So he's, you know, he's, he's kind of a nerd. He's, you know, pining after the girls at high school that just don't pay him any kind of attention. And then all of a sudden one Friday night, he's working late and there's a, there's a, there's a back to the futurish kind of storm coming. And he's just stacking the shelves with the new release DVDs. So they really only stock DVDs, no VHS anymore. And all of a sudden, the lightning hits the hits the the blockbuster sign at the top and radiates through the store and radiates around all the DVD shelves and straight into our character, whose name is David, straight into him. And he's he he's, he takes the shock and he's thrown back into the into the wall of DVDs and he's out. But because there's this part of town, no one's there, no one's coming. It's no one finds it. He he wakes up the next morning, and he checks himself. He's checking himself out because he's obviously been struck by lightning. And he lifts his shirt up, and there is a little a little slot in his stomach, big enough for a DVD. So he is wondering, well, what's this? So he's just something tells him to grab a DVD off the shelf. So he picks up. He picks up a copy of his favorite movie, which is I don't know if I'm allowed to name it because of 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 of, of rights, but it's it, it's a it's a superhero movie. You could name and it. He, it's just, it's no okay, so he picks up a, he, he picks up his picks up a copy of his favorite superhero movie, which is the original Tobey Maguire Spider Man, and he inserts the disc. Something's telling him to put the disc into the the hole that's in his stomach now, and he puts it in, and the hole shuts. And he's like, okay. And then something about, he, he just sort of gets a bit nauseous and the womb starts spinning. And essentially what happens is he has figured out, he now has the abilities of the protagonist of the movie. So that being Peter Parker. But he now has the ability to climb walls and, you know, fire, fire web. And, and, you know, he's got the strength. And so he's, he's figuring all this out and has a bit of fun with that. And um, basically, once the runtime of the movie is up, it just he's the hole opens up in his stomach again, and it spits out the DVD, and he's back to normal. 
but the DVD breaks in the process. So he's like, okay, I'm going to try this. So basically what it's about is he is able to inject any DVD, superhero, horror, whatever, and he will accumulate the powers of the protagonist for the runtime of the movie. And the DVD will break once finished and cannot be used again. Now, obviously, he works in a video shop, which means there's a lot of copies of, you know, Spider-Man or whatever that may be. But once he's run out, that's it. So it's all about him sort of exploring different DVDs and, and getting the powers of the protagonist. But what he doesn't notice is every time he puts a disc in, it's part of you've got you've obviously got your protagonist and then you've got your villain of the story. Part of the villain sort of seeps into the back of his head and starts telling him trying to take over the mindset. And it's all about his internal battle with that as well as using the DVDs for, you know, you're being a young 18-year-old male, you want to, you know, impress all the ladies and want to try and make a bit of money, make a name for yourself. And it's all about his journey in discovering what's happening to him and trying to make the video store relevant again by being its mascot. That's an amazing pitch. I really like that. That's, Thank you. That's fantastic. You got a little bit of body horror there by him having like the slot yep. in his mouth. And then, um, and then like turning around to her, like, oh, he gets the superpower. Um, so, so, okay. So, if he watches like a, um, if he watches like a, a really sad movie, yep. He gets, does he get really sad? No, so basically that's that's where it comes in. So he will he he's trying to he's I picture this he's trying to woo this girl uh, at his local college that he attends. So for that he puts in a romance DVD, and then all of a sudden he's this suave. Let's just use Hugh Jackman because he's Australian. Suave Hugh Jackman like who knows all the right things to say and and appears very attractive to others. So it's it's he's trying to just. He doesn't sort of take on the, the 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 genre. It's the it's always and only the main protagonist of the movie. Oh, what if the main protagonist <laughs> in the movie dies? Then that's something he'll have to work with and have Whoa. to figure out. Being that he works in a video shop, he's kind of he's kind of a, a film nerd as it is. So that's something <laughs> he's going to have to sort of test the boundaries of. Ah, mm, I like it. That's a that's a good. And like, what if it's a movie where like he needs that particular skill uh, in order to like save the day, but he knows the hero dies, so he's like, ah, I'm gonna sacrifice myself, but I'll be able to do it. That's a good. That's a really good. I really, really like that. Well, thank you very much. I just, yeah, it's just, yeah. it combines. It combines. It, like, I didn't want to make it a superhero. It doesn't matter. It could be a horror movie, even you know, if he wants to become. That's where I guess the, the villain side of things comes in because he he's just got this ability and he's just testing it out without, you know, going completely into it early on. So that's where it allows the villain to sort of creep in. Excellent work. And if he does that, put in Passion of the Christ. Fine. <laughs> that's a really good... Oh, I, I really like that as a solution. You watch I love like, it. I love it. Just put quick, quick, grab a grab that movie over there. What? Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, it's gonna suck. He's gonna be in a lot of pain, but he's gonna come back. It's like you couldn't grab like Jesus Christ Superstar or something so he could sing it when he comes back. I mean, I'd love also just once he gets like knocked on the head and he can do it, but the director gets to comment on what's he what he's doing the whole time. You know, he gets the director commentary. 
So you're expanding it. We, this is what I'm talking about. I love it. I love it. Excellent work. Excellent work. All right, Andy, are you ready? Oh, to, to, to tell us everything to you what? know about Australia. <laughs> Pretty much. This is yes. I am. I am uh, ringing the, uh, the my brain dry for all, all the Australian knowledge to come up with my movie Koalas Run Wild because koalas Australia, right? Now we open up on this idyllic chain of tropical islands where the koalas live this wonderful, laid-back, carefree existence, just munching on eucalyptus leaves. Except there yeah. is this one protagonist, our, our koala protagonist Oliver. He senses that there's something wrong with the marsupial pair. Now, all the other koalas, they are just totally blissed out. They don't pay him. One day, Oliver has yeah. eaten of Tim Koalas, there's something about that Tim Tam smell. Oliver can't help himself. He tries one. And as any Aussie, or indeed, I think like most of the world outside the United States will tell you, Tim Tams are freaking delicious. But that's not all, because Tim Tams, yeah. they, they, they have sugar, they have carbohydrates, and the, the rush of energy is enough to snap Oliver out of, out of this like eucalyptus-induced haze that all koalas live in. And he realizes... They don't live in a tropical paradise. They live in an incredibly shitty roadside zoo. And he even overhears the owner, Mr. Bambara, that the zoo is in danger of getting bought out by the neighborhood golf course. And all the koalas are in danger of being sold to like various shady outfits. There's like a kid's birthday company that figures, you know, yeah, we can make koalas cuddly if we like pump them up with tranquilizers. Or like there's this other one who like keeps insisting it's not for medical experiments, which kind of convinces you that it, Probably is for medical exper- experiments. So, uh, he's, he needs, he needs, you know, he needs his, uh, his other koalas to help him. And with the promise of Tim Tams, he gets them to eat the Tim Tams. And so there's enough of them that are out of their like stoned eucalyptus haze for long enough to stage a jailbreak and get free of the shitty roadside zoo. Now, the koalas are terrified about all these dangerous Australian animals they've heard about on the internet. Uh, plus, you know, there's a few that have actually discovered V energy drinks and they're starting to get kind of like jittery and paranoid. But what we quickly learn is the real danger is humans. After a few exaggerated scare stories in the press about koalas going on rampages, there are suddenly band of armed koala protection posses roaming the streets looking for, looking for koalas to shoot. And you know, the koalas are thinking maybe we'll put up a fight. Like we heard there were these emus that actually won a war against the koalas. But they tracked down the emus and it's like, yeah, we won. But at what cost? I haven't had a good night's sleep in like 20 years. Every time I close my eyes, I hear my brethren getting cut down by machine guns. Don't do it. Don't go to war with the humans. Meanwhile, Mr. Bambara tracks down Oliver and he apologizes for almost selling him and his fellow koalas. But, you know, people are kind of bored with koalas these days. Now, Oliver thinks he can help Mr. Bambara if Mr. Bambara can help him get the koalas back to the roadside zoo, which will lead to our grand climax, where Mr. Bambara and Oliver lead the koalas through the golf course back to safety. Now, we're going to see this mostly from Oliver's perspective, and it is a high-speed Mad Max-inspired chase where they have to fight off overweight humans, energy drink-addicted insane koalas, the police, even a saltwater crocodile, just to get back home and to safety. But near the end, we will learn that Oliver is just having a sugar crash. And in fact, this whole chase has just been a couple golf carts, neither of which ever went above 10 miles per hour. But they do make it back to the roadside zoo, where Oliver, with Mr. Mabara's help, 
introduces the koalas to a nutrition-rich diet of Vegemite meat, pie, meat pies and, yes, the occasional Tim Tams. This gives them the energy to put on a show that keeps packing them in the seats and gives Mr. Bambara enough money to tell the golf course people to get stuffed. And Oliver, once unhappy with the overly mellow koala existence, now, you know, he puts in a hard day's work and he likes nothing better than after a hard day's work than kicking back and enjoying a relaxing snack of eucalyptus. And a movie. Very good. Australians, uh, we need you to weigh in. <laughs> wow. It's like, I, I don't know what to say. Jamie, I think there's a book in that for you, mate. He's just recounting it word by word because it's the sequel to the Emu Wars. I mean, I do love the idea of just like a PTSD ravaged emu saying like, don't do it. We won. But at what cost? <laughs> God. Yeah, that, that's the tagline for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love. I, I love it. I want to see it. Let's get Baz Luhrmann on board. Let's get you know. Let's get it done. Baz is perfect. Although, heck, well, although uh, what am I thinking? George Miller. He's done animation. He's d- no. he's done talking animals. He's done he's chases. Done he's done. He can do um, a good chase. He can do it. He can do it all. Yeah, I agree. George Miller, if you're listening, jump on. Mad Max Koala Road. I <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. I think that's the best Australian movie pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. Well, I, you know, I figure you would know. All right, so uh, Jamie, if uh, we can hear you, um, are you ready to he, do your pitch? He did say he was having mic issues. Oh, oh, he is. Okay, he did say that. Oh, so man. I will do. I feel you. I I will do mine because it's unfortunately very similar to Andy's in that I <laughs> I guess um, we kind of show our ass with our ignorances. We both focused on animals rather than people in Australia because <laughs> my pitch very similar. Um, it's animated motion pink uh, motion picture. Uh, it is okay. a near uh, I would say futuristic film. Uh, our main character is a talking dingo. Voiced by Mr. Barry Humphreys, uh, who most people would know in his other persona as Dame Edna, famous Australian character Uh, actor. So Barry Humphreys is the voice of our dingo protagonist. And he has uh, some animal sidekicks with him. Uh, He's got a talking kookaburra, of course, voiced Mm. by the... Nicole Kidman, uh, and all they are also joined. I, I was going to have a koala, but uh, I'm I don't want to rip off Andy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change it from uh from a koala to perhaps one of the deadliest spiders in all of Australia, the funnel web spider. So talking oh, yeah. funnel web spider, voiced by I'm gonna go a little a little wacky here, um, because technically not an Australian, I believe. Uh, or is he? I'm going with, I think Yahoo Sirius needs a comeback. So Yahoo <laughs> Sirius is going to voice yeah. our funnel web spider. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If he's available. If he's available. Um, and so our animal characters, they, uh, are, they're just living, they're living in a strangely kind of like incongruent jungle forest outback kind of uh environment where it's very kind of confusing because it's like a little deserty at times but also like jungle vines it's very confusing uh but they stumble upon 
a human baby. And uh-oh, as we all know, dingoes and human babies do not yeah. do not no. get along. Um although I did have I did have a friend from Australia who gave me a very long and detailed uh description of how like um uh how that whole case is really kind of uh, awful in every regard. And we shouldn't probably joke too much about it, but they find a human baby, but much like the, the classic public domain story of the jungle book, our dingo <laughs> funnel web spider and kookaburra raised this human baby. Uh, and mm-hmm. somehow through the magic of Australia, they imbue this human baby with the abilities that they each have. So, the little the little human child we'll say i was gonna say boy but let's let's mix it up this is a human human girl they raise a human girl child and she has the ability to fly as she learns from the kookaburra and she can run and hunt like the dingo and she can um set or no she uh she div- she um she has venom she can like uh she has venom in her <laughs> somehow maybe she can maybe through a bite or maybe through her her nails she can like uh have deadly spider-like venom uh and we learn that uh our animal our animal protagonists they aren't very familiar with humans because humans are supposedly extinct and we learn that this is a post-apocalyptic future australia after the humans have mutated into uh the through super science they uh, destroyed the ecology of the entire world and created these bizarre mishmash uh, climate environments. And um, uh, so we get jungles and outback and everything together, but they've also mutated and have gone underground, but they are still somewhat human. And so our animal heroes decide to take their human, um, human uh, child into the underground to try to reunite her with the other humans. But these other humans, they are too far gone and they they have to escape the underground uh, and use all of their animal abilities to uh, survive in this post-apocalyptic Australia. And there's not a car anywhere, so we're not ripping off Mad Max. So it's different. It's entirely different. <laughs> it's a different thing. So that was my loose, uh, that was my loose, uh, loosey-goosey Australia movie pitch. Animated. Um, yeah weirdo animal talking the fact that you're giving some work too that's amazing listen i love it i grew up watching young einstein a lot a (laughs) freaking lot and i understood was it one of those was it like one of those things that was like every third movie on one of the cable channels because they got it for cheap well i i've told this story before is growing up um my uncle set us up with a satellite dish uh, and also uh, set it up to where we got free uh, pay-per-view. Um, oh, so nice. when so when Young Einstein hit pay-per-view after its theater run, uh, I would just watch it all the time. Because it was one of those things where each pay-per-view channel just showed the same movie nonstop. Um, oh. Yeah. Is the idea was people would like order it. Like, oh, I want to order a pay-per-view movie. Sure, I'll pay, you know, 20 bucks to watch this movie in the comfort of my home. Oh, it's starting at 8 p.m., 8, 8 p.m., 9.30 p.m., 11 p.m., like for the oh, next yeah. week. So it's just always on when it was on, so I would watch it quite a bit. Um, but I was smart enough to know that Albert Einstein was not from Tasmania, uh, and that was a funny <laughs> joke, but 
a lot of the others, I did think he had like a weird romance with Marie Curie. Uh, I did not think he invented rock and roll, but I did believe that he saved a pie full of kittens uh, as a young man. <laughs> so yeah, Yahoo Serious, Barry Humphreys, uh, Nicole yeah. Kidman, um, maybe directed by, um, oh, what's, the, what's that Australian director who did BMX Bandits? Um, anyway. BMX I do not know. Ah, yeah. BMX. Google that, everybody. All my buddies. Yeah. Uh, who directed? I mean, I'm Googling it right now. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, are you ready yet? I'm I'm a little... Can Nicole Kidman still sound Australian? I think she might have lost it. Uh, as evidenced in Australia, the um, the the movie with her and Hugh Jackman, uh, I guess she can still do it. Brian Trenchard Smith uh, is the Australian. Brian Trench- yeah. Yeah. He's the king of low budget Australian movies. Oh. <laughs> but I will let you know it is contractually obliged to have Mel Gibson in every Australian movie or Hugh Jackman, so you get to pick. Regardless of the size of the role. All right, it's Hugh Jackman. It always choose Hugh, yeah. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh, you're not movie. going with Mel. Uh, big surprise. Not, not going. Not going with that guy. What about Russell Crowe though? I kind of like chunky Russell Crowe. You know, Crowe's good in Unhinged. He's he's gone a bit down the down the the stalker horror path, and I quite like it. Oh, cool. He's got he's got he's got a lot going on. That guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, Jamie, are you with us? But apologies. Are you coming through loud and clear now, mate? Yeah. Well, I'm using I'm using the computer mic now, so I'll leave that up to Michael to tweak it in the uh, yeah it? editing phase. All right, I say I say go for it. Okay. Go for it. So you're gonna have one phone audio, one computer. Okay. Uh, oh well, good luck. Okay. Good luck. Now, I pitched right. I, I uh, when I think of America, I think baseball, my friends. But yeah. I also think of a good ice movie. So I am combining this um, with a little bit of humor, and I'll, I want you guys to weigh in because I've left it a little bit open for you. But um, I haven't got a name for it. But uh, here we go: it, a retired baseball player, played by Kevin Costner, because you know Kevin Costner, of course. Yeah. Um, is scammed out of almost everything he owns, and the police are useless. The bank won't do anything, and his friends show no support. In what some would would call a mental breakdown, he forms a crew, played by all the Chris's: Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, and Chris Evans, and the intent to hit one bank in every state in America to rob it clean. Along the way, they are hunted by um, an FBI agent, played by Idris Elba. And two rogue bounty hunters played by Zoe Saldana and Zoe Kravitz. Um, ending with a Wait, so, so Idris is never getting a partner because there's no other Idrises. <laughs> Idris, can, Idris, Idris, can, Idris can carry his own. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. not, not to interrupt the pitch, ends. but what if his partner is Jessica Alba? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Alba and Alba. Yes. All right. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. She spends the whole movie trying to get him to eat healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It ends with a fiery fiery showdown in Hawaii, of all places, and Mm. revealing who who was behind the destruction of this baseball player's life. Two former owners of the LA Dodgers and the New York Yankees, played by 
Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Wait, you're going to make either Ben Affleck or Matt Damon play the owner of the Yankees? That's going to be tough. That's a big... (laughs) They they own one each. Um... True. I mean, I don't know if you know, but like they are Boston through and through. Like they, yeah. I'm willing to bet, hate the Yankees. So, but they're playing although I don't know, if you play them as a villain, they might jump at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well to be honest, I don't, I don't know all the baseball clubs, and um, <laughs> I chose the clubs before I before I chose the actors that would play them. Um, <laughs> Bonus points. That's for okay. Our baseball clubs. clubs are very confusing. Yeah, I know. They should be clubs though, because they seem like you know they hang out together. You know, but clubs makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Technically, I think they are uh, like they are clubs, but no one calls them that. Oh. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, I'm sorry. We're really sidetracking. No, I, Amy, so go go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's my film. All right, I, I okay. like it. I like it. I like a uh, you working in the fifty states. Like that's yep. a that's a very good um, baseball. Perfectly, the, it is the American pastime um, from, I mean, at least 50 years ago it was, and we still haven't really gotten over it. Uh, yeah. Good actor <laughs> choices. I love it. Um, yes. All the Chris's together. All the Chris's. <laughs> Thank, thanks for loaning us your Australian. All the Zoe's. <laughs> and, you know. I'm wondering, though, sh- could they could they knock over the baseball stadiums? Because then it's the thing. It's You go to 50 states, you visit each baseball stadium except they're also going to rob it oh yes I don't actually know. yes that's that's better does does hawaii have a baseball team like i don't think they have oh. i don't think alaska or well, hawaii well, have some of the alaska doesn't either yeah. yeah meanwhile new york city gets two and uh, how many Cal- how many does california have? we've we've man we've got a i don't really know baseball but we've got okay we got we've got like three or Angels, four dodgers padres Mm, uh, giants. Uh, oh, maybe just. Four. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, still, that's, that's yeah. More than Alaska. Yeah. All right. So, did you, I'm sorry, Jamie. Did you have a title for yours? <laughs> no, I d- I didn't. Um, I, I was umming umming about bases loaded, maybe, or, or one in every state, or oh yeah. Um, I just yeah no, I, I didn't think that far. Bottom of the third. No worries. I don't know. There's baseball has a ton of things you can name it. Uh, that'd be the easiest part. It's doing it. A, a title. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Is there? Okay. So, okay. So America versus Australia. Um, it goes to show you guys that um, uh, Americans don't know shit about Australia other than some animals <laughs> and some some memes, basically. <laughs> well, I think oh, animals no. are safer because you can. You can say koalas are ornery bastards. You can't say, like, Australians are ornery bastards. I'm sure you've got your ornery ones just like us, you know? So, so if, if, I about a bunch say, of... if I can just say, that episode of The Simpsons is pretty accurate. <laughs> good, to, good to know. Um, I mean, their research. Like, no need to travel internationally, folks. Just go to Disney+, Plus, go to The Simpsons, watch the Australia episode. It tells you everything yeah, you need to know. I, you you could travel the world just with Simpsons episodes. They did Japan, they did France. Like, where didn't they go? They predicted co- the COVID virus. They predicted Trump. <laughs> yeah, all the great cl- cataclysms. 
Uh, remember the Simpsons guys? I commend you guys on um, yeah. not calling not calling koalas koala bears like most of your brethren over there. A lot of people call them koala bears, but it's just koalas. Yeah, but or drop bears. I've just yeah. You guys call them drop yeah, bears. Drop- what are you talking about? It's drop marsupials. Gosh darn it! <laughs> Why don't you call them drop allas? <laughs> <laughs> Or, I don't know, tree wombats. Maybe that's... Right, this has been Burn After Pitching. I want to <laughs> thank our international guests for being on. Uh, but before that, Andy, uh, go ahead and do your plugs again. Uh, I do so many things. Uh, well, I do lots of stuff. But anything I do, you can find at andynordvald.com, including this podcast, uh, the, the various uh, internet things. Maybe a book soon. I don't know. We're talking, but uh, fingers crossed. We have something to say. But you know, just follow me, AndyNordvall.com, and I'm on all the like media networky things. You know, you can Google me. I'm I'm extremely online. Excellent. All right, uh, Jamie Ryan, do your outro. Tell everyone where they can find you again and plug anything you want to plug. All right. Um, am I going right? Are you going right? <laughs> I don't have anything to plug, so it's your it's your show. May I ask the the last episode of True and the Fictional? What was it about? Uh, oh, we had we had a guest on uh, uh, author called Chad Miller. He's a horror writer, but um, oh nice. Um, he's from Delaware. Um, I told him it sounds fancy, Delaware, in the title, and he said, "Believe me, it's not." Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can weigh in on that, but um, and then we've got an episode coming up. Uh, this week with Martin Kearns. Okay, Jamie might have lost it again. We've got an episode with uh, fantasy horror writer Martin Kearns that we just recorded yesterday. Uh, that will be coming out sometime next week. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what day because Jamie looks after all the incidentals like that. But we're also in the middle of our um, our 90s series where we're going over uh, you know, our favourite Video games, movies, TV shows, cartoons from the 90s. Oh, wow. Perfect. Yeah. That sounds sounds great. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's been interesting. We're up to, we're going through with movies. We, because we're massive movie buffs, we've decided to split it into a few different genres. So we just finished our action movie, action adventure movie episode, which I believe is up at the moment. It was the Hong Kong, like all the John Woo and Choi Hark, was that in the 90s? The which one? Sorry. Like, all, you know, John Woo and Choi Hark, like when Hong Kong cinema got like really good. I'm trying to think, was that 80s or 90s? I think it might have been 80s. Yeah, a lot okay. of the, the stuff, like Better Tomorrow, um, um, The Killer, that's, I think, oh, you're right. the very end of the 80s. Like, it's like 87, 88, 89, but then didn't kind of catch on with movie buffs in the States until the 90s. You're right. So it's, a, it's very much, uh, and I think very influenced by... Um, by Tarantino with Pulp Fiction. So I think it hit for American mm-hmm. movie fans in the mid nineties, although the movies themselves in, in Hong Kong come from a little bit earlier. Although that would mean like all those guys coming over and making their movies. I think that was the nineties, like face off was the 90s, Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. The 90s. Yeah. That was on my list. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I've just been thinking of all those movies lately because I just saw an Indian movie called RRR. Total tangent, but have you guys seen this? No, I saw it. On it's it's currently, I think it's on our Netflix over here in Australia. I saw a trailer for it. It looks intense. 
Like if you saw hard boiled and said, I like it, but I want it less subtle and more over the top. <laughs> RRR is the movie for you. They're, they're, it is just crazy. Mm. <laughs> and, and a musical, of course. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. 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 So we're getting a lot more of that kind of stuff on our Netflix over here. So I did see a trailer for that and I thought, mm, this looks, looks campy and awesome at the same time. <laughs> That is a very accurate description. Well, now would be a good time to yeah. mention this episode's sponsor, NordVPN. Uh, they're not actually a sponsor. <laughs> they sponsor everything I watch on YouTube. And if you wanted to watch that movie and you go into your local Netflix and it's not go into it like it's a video store, <laughs> log into your local Netflix and you don't see it, be sure to use a NordVPN to disguise your ISP. <laughs> so maybe it's on another country's Netflix and you can watch it. Again, NordVPN. Be sure to use the code BURNAFTERPITCHING on checkout and see a red bubble <laughs> pop up and say, this is not a valid code. And I don't think this refers to anything that exists. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. And thank you so much for being on, guys. Uh, I'm Michael Tanner. Uh, I was host for this episode. You can visit me on my website, buymichaeltanner.com, where you can check out my blog and check out my web store. Uh, if you want to read any of my comic books, you can buy them from my web store on my website, or you can, in theory, order them on Amazon, or in theory, uh, purchase them on Comixology, although there's something weird with Comixology where they're not letting you actually buy comics on it right now for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird, but it's check out crazy. Orcs in Space. Comixology, it's, it's going through some yeah. stuff. I think it hit you. Comixology is going through some stuff. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Um, yeah, this has been Burn After Pitching. Be sure to check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. Uh, that's our mother network, and uh, you can learn about all the other shows and all the other appearances. Oh, big news is we just found out that Grand Geek Gathering will be returning to San Diego Comic Con for our popular panel, Unnecessary, Unnecessary Debates. I believe this makes it 10 years at San Diego Comic Con. That's going to be an excellent panel. I think I'm going to be on it. Uh, so check that out. Let's see here. Follow us on Twitter at uh, just Google burn after pitching Twitter. You'll find us. If you have a pitch for us, pitch at us. We love being pitched at. Use the hashtag yeah, pitch away. hashtag burning pitch. And uh, especially if you're in Australia and you're like, I want to pitch an American movie. Or if you're an American and you want to show your ignorance and pitch an Australian movie, hashtag burning pitch. Our outro music was by Carlisle Laurent. Again, I want to thank you all for listening. I know you have a lot of competition for your podcast time and for your ears, and that if you've made it this far into the episode, you must really like us, and we like you. Thank you for joining us. Burn After Pitching. Well, to be fair, they might still be waiting for a valid NordVPN discount. <laughs> oh, that's true. They could be real mad right now. Be sure to enter the, the code. I'm really, mad na- I'm really mad right now for an extra 10% off me not caring about you. Ha <laughs> ha, you sucker. <laughs> All right, and don't forget to GGG. Hey, everybody. If you're listening to this episode still, thank you, first of all, for making it this far. Second, wanted to let everyone know that this is actually the last episode of Burn After Pitching. We've done it for a couple years. We had a lot of fun, but... Time, availability, and interest change, and we are ending the monthly podcast. We are still going to try to do Burn After Pitching as a panel at different conventions around the West Coast. 
and we will record those and put those up as episodes. But that's goodbye for now. Uh, Again, thank you if you've been listening to us for the last few years. We had a lot of fun. We hope you had fun, too. And don't forget to tweet at us at hashtag burning pitch. Thanks. Have a good life, suckers. Burn after pitch.